Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. And Pastor Todd. Good, sleepy Monday morning. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. Busy weekend for everybody. I uh, actually, I think I may have to run at some point in the middle of this, possibly. Uh, My AC is not working, the central AC, so my landlord reached out to somebody. So he said today between 12 and 2, so he's going to let me know. I may have to... (laughs) <laughs> Jet, sorry. <laughs> no, that's forgot, to tell you, forgot to tell you guys that. That's a, that was that text I read earlier. But uh, yeah, no, it was a good good weekend. A lot of stuff. Uh, well, first of all, Pastor Todd, you did um, fun arts. We highlighted it on in service. But yeah, we had our like a great time. First official annual fun arts, uh, which is basically fine arts for kids who are first grade through fifth grade, because sixth graders can do fine arts. But um, we had eleven kids here uh actually we had 11 kids who presented on the platform okay there was actually probably about 13 maybe 14 kids who had red shirt because some just did art photography art and uh it, it was a fun day i gotta give those kids a lot of credit like the ones one little girl who probably was only like second third grade who got up there first and sang and and was like our official kickoff ever. Mm. <laughs> wow. Know? Okay. Really, and yeah, yeah. and I think her mom was so nervous she started the music like three or four times before <laughs> we were ready to start and all that. So I give her a lot of credit. We had we had and she ended up coming back later and preaching. Yeah, she did good. Okay. Yeah, short sermon. We had we had singing solos. We had instrumental solos. Corbin did an instrumental solo on the guitar and and really did really well. Yeah. You're really well playing it. He did good. You know, I, I heard him playing before when he was practicing, like a couple months ago when he was first talking about it, and and I think his chord changes like really he's increased got, a lot. Yeah, he's then. got he's gotten better. Wow. I, I I won't hold yeah. him. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, I I do have a tendency sometimes to just be a little bit tougher on him because he's in third grade, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what it is? It's because he gets he sees things, he gets enamored, and I don't think he always fully understands the work that. It has to be put in to get to those places. So sometimes I'm just real with him. I'm like, dude, unless you plan on being committed to this, unless you plan on putting in the work, you know, I don't know what you want from me. So like I, as dad, sometimes I am the uh, dream crusher, you know. But but he is a third grader. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to understand. Uh, like, yeah, he's third This is what grade. kids do because they're not ready to choose their career yet. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Know? It's like when I told my mom I wanted to be an astronaut, she told me real quick, "Oh, that's too expensive. You can't afford that." Mm. <laughs> okay, thanks, mom. You... My first grader. Dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think but, some uh, of it too is just because like he is, he and I are similar, so I know too. Like I'm like, yo, if you don't put in the work ethic at this point in your life, like. You're just gonna be like your da- dear old dad, and that's not what you really want to be. <laughs> you want to be, you want to be better than your dear old dad. So that's that's really where that that comes from. But he did, he did a phenomenal job. He re- he really like cleaned up some of his technique and, um, and he uh, really put it to memory. Like that was another thing that I was like, hey man, you know, if you want to take it to this next level, you know, memorize it. You know. Yeah. And then we had Tahani who did two pieces of art one was a comic book which i absolutely loved her comic book i yeah, loved comic was great. the yeah. very last frame i guess you call call out backs whatever we want to call it of her thing was basically like uh you're going to jail i, I forgive you but you're still going to jail and i'll pray for you yeah like i i loved it um we had ashley uh malone who did um who did photography and she painted a picture her the photography picture she did her and mom were up at like four o'clock in the morning to be at the beach to take it so uh and then natalie did a selfie of herself uh, corbin actually submitted a photography too but um um natalie did a selfie of her and her friends um and then also a comic book of her own so of those 13 kids four of them a quarter of them were from our church so I was, I was i was thrilled with that yeah, yeah you know but there was there was just a lot of art that day it was amazing um one of the kids did an oil painting that was amazing of Yo, a mountain range no that and, was whoa and i talked to him and i said to him have you have you like taken you know because sometimes uh, he's probably what eight or nine or something yeah, like that it was like second grade. and i asked him you know do you have you taken painting lessons and he's like no i just do it it was <laughs> incredible like i really was like, like bob ross incredible. i thought it was i was wow. like i looked yeah. at it and i said to myself oh this has got to be like a fifth grader 
they said that boy was in second grade. I said, what? And then I'm like, looking at it, I'm like, this dude just does this? Like, And his mom's like, he just, like, sometimes he'll sit down, like, in a half hour, he'll come out with stuff like this. Wow, and he, I'm like, sometimes in a half hour, I come up with garbage. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I'm really, yeah. I was just, I was blown away by, the, was, by these kids. And um and just really proud of them. And they were so. proud of each other. That was something yeah. I thought was really cool, watching them respond and react to each other doing things. Like when different That's kids cool. got up there to sing. That's cool. Clapping like the kids were like, whoa, they're really good. Like, whoa. Like, I'm like, it was just amazing. So, like, it was just cool watching the kids celebrate each other. I think just like in Christian communities, we could do, we could take a page out of their book in that regard yeah, and that, like learn right, how to celebrate each other say. a little bit more. And wow. that's, and that is sometimes what we talk about with like childlike faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just accepted everything that was happening as this is a great moment. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and, uh, and it really was, it was a good day. It was a good day. And then Sunday night we had the kids penny cost rally and, uh, they had asked me to kind of run it and organize it. So let me just tell you, first of all, it wasn't a mistake that we did it. It was a mistake that we scheduled these things back to back. Because last night I walked into the place and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this tonight. <laughs> Kids require a lot of energy and I don't think I have it. But but uh, the Pentecost rally was great uh, as far as the kids go. You know, there wasn't a large crowd maybe 12 kids but then on top of that like we had a toilet paper cannon which the kids went berserk over um we had games and stuff like that so as far as the kids side of the pentecost rally last night it, it which, was a good time wait just real quick the the toilet the toilet paper cannon um there was significance to that though right yeah it was, well it's it, part of our lesson yeah could you explain it though because i thought that this was so cool when you explained it <laughs> so we did a race with the kids. The kids took two rolls of toilet paper and they did a race to unroll the toilet paper without ripping it. They got three rips. After that, they were disqualified. So the kids were racing and they did pretty good, but then they ended up ripping and whatever. And then the whole point was they bring out the can and said, you know what, sometimes when we try to do it on our own, it's really, really hard and we fail. You know, and the whole point was like how Peter was changed. He he had a tendency to do things that got him into trouble. And then when Pentecost came, it changed him to where then he was filled with power and he was able to live more effectively for Jesus and all those things. And and when we try to do it on our own, it's hard. And then I got out the, the toilet paper cannon, which is basically a leaf blower with a, with a, uh, a paint roller attached to it and then a roll of toilet paper on it. Yeah clicked it on and the toilet paper just flies out of it like a ticker yeah. tape parade it's like everywhere and um first of all the kids were like ah! <laughs> like you want to you want to see a riot <laughs> all these kids running after the toilet paper all over the floor now you would think that they've never seen toilet paper before at your house i'm sure they leave it all over the place you know unroll it and play with it all that so um so um but the whole point by it is when we have external power we can do things meaning the Holy Spirit, we can do things that we can't do under our own strength and under yeah. our own self. Like, so I just think that's a great picture. Like if I were a kid, I would remember that forever. Well, I, I hope that, that forever I, as the Holy Spirit. You, yeah, I hope they Pastor do. Cause Matt it was just like, I want you moment. to know that he will never forget it, that you taught him a lesson today about <laughs> and, <laughs> the power and of anytime the you want to borrow the toilet paper cannon, <laughs> you're welcome to, cause I have it in my office now, but <laughs> thankfully, well, I don't mean thankfully. I mean, our kids didn't go last night. So thankfully, this is something I created and have here at the church. So they're going to, they're going to get a taste of it at some point. I just have nice. to make it an appropriate lesson for them. I don't want to just do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Um, you want to do it for although, the sake of doing it. Well, he wants, I, to, no, play honestly, he wants to play with the paper. Honestly, I do. I want to line up cannon. the kids and just shoot them with the paper, <laughs> 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 paper cannon. Stay here, guys. But we will, we will, we will do it. For, and someday your kids will come home and be like, guess what we did. Yeah. So. Nice. And then, uh, Youth and young adults, we were at the Resonate Worship Night last night, and Pastor Jamal, you shared really quick. I wanted to tell you, I didn't tell you because I was waiting to just tell you on here that I thought you did a great job. Oh, well, you were I like, was... I don't know. I'm like, dude, I thought it was. Y your voice is so good for nervous. spaces. And nah, I get nervous. How all you the instructed time. everybody? I think it was great. I get nervous all the time. I feel like it's like, I don't know. I just get nervous all the time, and I think too, just we're just being honest. Resonate does seem to have a platform. 
um, you know, playing at Creation Fest and stuff. And so yeah, they're legit. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I was like, uh, what do you want me to say? They were like, yeah, just share a devotional. I'm like, uh, like I yeah. panicked, and it was crazy. Like in the back, I'm sitting in the back, and Naomi, she comes over to me, and she's like. Dad, I was like, yeah. She's like, you're gonna do great. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks, appreciate it. Um, and uh, Tahani comes over. She's like, Dad, take a deep breath. I was like, she's like, now breathe out. So I breathe out. <laughs> she's like, you know what you just did? I was like, no. What did I just do? She's like, you let all the butterflies out. That's what she said. <laughs> and, and that came like, from Fun Arts. That came from Fun Arts because that's what that was like. What. I think that's what Fabian said to start yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. so she let me know. They like, learned oh. something. <laughs> I was like, I appreciate it. <laughs> and so then I go up on stage and do the thing. And last night, like, we get them in bed, and I'm like, laying down. I'm like pooped because we actually had all kinds of stuff this weekend for the youth group, at least. And, you know, Friday we had a unite party, and then Saturday we had a cleanup day, and then yes, and then resonate. And so it was a lot. I was like, man, I'm really just kind of wiped. So I'm laying there, and my wife goes, um. She's like, Naomi came over to me and asked me, she's like, why is daddy not confident if Jesus is with him? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you know what, sweetheart? You should ask daddy. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm like, I'm like sitting in bed like I can't go to sleep now because I'm like, well, okay, well, my child, my child is over here giving me, giving me sermon. What were you just why saying about childlike what, face? Yeah. Why does the voice of the Holy Spirit sound like Naomi right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? I was like, she said that. Phyllis was like, she said it verbatim. She's like, I didn't even. She's like, I told her. I was like, you know what? You should let Daddy know. I was like. Dang, that's, but let that's this be first about the, that from the mouth of infants or yeah, something. Yeah. The mouth of but let this be a, a lesson for you guys out there who sometimes look at your pastor and be like, "Oh, he does this all the time. It must be easy peasy." It's not. We. I, I don't know about you guys, but I still get nervous when I get up yeah. to preach. I still am like yeah. constantly running things through my head, saying, "Should I say this? Should I say that? Should I say it diff- differently or whatever?" So. It's not like once you become a pastor, all of a sudden, like... I think they say it's healthy to have a little bit of that still. You need a little. Yeah, I well, think. it gives you energy, and it helps make... Sh- I find that because I'm nervous, I want to try to make sure that what I say is, like, accurate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Instead of just getting up there and flying off the handle and saying whatever in the moment, you know? Yeah. So, so, yeah. But it was a yeah, dope night, great time. Um, you know, Resonate killed it. They're, you know, they're, like elite musicians and like vocalists like the things that they could do um the different instruments i was just like wow like i saw the one drum the drummer is like doing like a a breakdown he's doing like a drum roll like a like a he's doing a breakdown on the toms but he's like still playing the hi-hat and playing the snare so he's technically doing this roll on the uh not the mid tom yeah i think he's got two floor times actually so he's doing a roll like he's doing a like a just like a breakdown, but he's giving like almost like triple hits with like like triplets, but not triplets, like almost like a roll basically. Yeah. Like, like oh, I was like, how? Like it doesn't make sense, dude. And I'm like, nah, bro, you could have it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have I don't have the yeah I don't have the skill power. All right, well, let's talk about the sermon for a a little bit, and also uh, with it being Pentecost Sunday yesterday, figured you know we can talk about some of this. And if you're listening, hopefully you find this interesting and helpful. And um, so l- let's go. I'll just go in order, actually, that I have here. Um, so the series that we're doing is Won't You Be My Neighbor? And it's kind of referring to both, you know, our physical neighbors, because I think Pastor Jeff's kind of challenging us there, but also our church community as well, that it's both, you know. Um, and I wanted to really quick, because I did kind of think this to myself. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about this. In the first week, which was the drive-in service, you know, Pastor Jeff read from the Good Samaritan, and he had um, his points where, you know, how do I neighbor well? You got to cross the street, share your life, and don't look to one as a mission to accomplish, but a relationship to cultivate. Now, I wanted to ask you guys how that struck you, because for me, um, I've heard, like, I guess I'll just say, like, I've heard, like, Christians feel like, that's not a problem because it's like, Hey, you know, like this person needs Jesus. Like they're, they're going to die and go to hell. Like, like, you know, like if I believe this, like it's okay for me to 
be friends with a purpose. I forgot how I heard one person say, it. oh, a friend with an agenda. That's what they said. Mm. And I think they use that word on purpose, obviously, because it sounds like almost negative. Like, But they're like, do you think it's okay to be friends w- with an agenda? And everyone's like, no. And the, But the preacher was like, yes, it is, because you're trying to win them to Christ, this and that. So, but then when I heard Pastor Jeff explain it the way he did, I'm like, but that makes sense, right? It's not just a mission. And then, and he gave an example, by the way, of somebody who they felt they experienced that. And then the person who invited them to church and all that stuff kind of dropped out of their life after that. And, and they felt like, you know, whatever. And I think that's the thing. It's okay to be a friend with an agenda and the agenda is, you know, to, to speak Christ into your life or whatever. But then... I think the issue that he's trying to bring up is, okay, you're saved now. I don't have to be your friend anymore. You know, I mm. think that's more of the issue. Mm. Like, because if you genuinely care for somebody, you want to share Christ with them, and there should be a bit of an agenda there to, to, uh, not bully a person into Christ. That's not what I mean by agenda, but to 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 be a light in their life. Yeah, mm. that's a good way to put it. Um, but. If you generally care for somebody too, like you just don't drop friendships, <laughs> right? You know I mean? Right. But That's why people feel like projects. Why does Jesus care about them? Because they're a person that He loves, right? So Jesus doesn't view them as a project. Y- you know what it well, is? I think. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was at Valley Forge, one of the things, and they don't—I don't think they do it anymore—but one of the things we used to have to do is we used to have to get so many ministry points per semester. So I think I've heard you maybe say this. Yeah. Once. So so you would have to go and do ministry and keep track of it and submit it. And you were also record required to have so many evangelism points per semester. Mm. So this is a great example of when a person becomes a project. Because you would literally ninety percent of the <laughs> I shouldn't say this. Maybe it wasn't ninety percent, but Many students would go to the mall and walk around, walk up to somebody at the cash register and be like, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, um, uh, have you ever heard about Jesus? And like their whole goal was to get that check mark or that notch or that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like they were sincerely caring about that person. They were only trying to get their homework done. Do, right. do you know what I'm saying? Of course, you understand I, the idea behind yeah, it. Well, but that's, I think but the idea, you if you want to be a pastor, you need to be doing ministry. Yeah, like, but the, I get that. And I think the idea, though, so the, the, I think what people may kind of like hesitate with is the idea that an agenda sounds so formal. Like it's like uh, it, uh, an agenda is like super formal. It's like this thing where you basically are like, um yeah like a little bit of a checklist type deal but that's not even how jesus treats us right like he doesn't even approach us like that so it would feel funky i think for some people to make that synonymous with like their relationship with with people themselves and so like i understand i think you know i understand the um the idea but i think when you word it that way it it will make some people kind of step back and say yeah that's not what i want i don't want it to be an agenda i don't want it to be a project um I, I want it to be natural. I want it to be, you know, um, um, an outflowing of who you are. In your yeah. Or like, yeah. Or Holy Spirit ordained, like, you know, uh, and worked, t- worked together in that way. So I think like I get that idea. I think people would probably that word agenda just feels it just feels formal. It well, feels I, I, I think this is like a good use. If you want to use the word agenda, your agenda then is to love your friends well. OK, mm, which should include that. you being a light to them. You know what I mean? Okay. If if that's more of your, as opposed to the agenda is I'm trying to get as many salvation checklists or notches on my belt or whatever. That's where it's like it, it gets funky. Yeah. And I think because one of them is like you don't even care about this person. Mm-hmm. It's just you are a tool for me to use mm-hmm. <laughs> almost. You yeah, know what well, I mean? Right. That's and that's I mean. and that's what makes it funky. And I, And I think that's when people feel funky like. Oh, so I met your need to do what you needed to do, which was the check mark or the. Yeah, and the thing is, people feel that people recognize yeah. when that's how you treat. Oh them. yeah, and, uh, and sometimes we don't give the people enough credit, but they they sense that stuff, and they were like, "Oh, that heathen, he just didn't want to hear." No, you're. Yeah, not and I think coming out of like the political climate, 
people are done with agendas. <laughs> so like when you throw it out there like that, people are like, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I think yeah. that at least in, in mindset, but, um, yeah, there does need to be, you're, you're right about the idea of having a sense of purpose about your relationships. Yeah. And I think it's the words pastor Jeff used was good. It's about, it's a relationship to cultivate. And like you said, Pastor Todd, yeah, loving your friends well, loving the people around you well. That's what Christians should be known for. Okay, yeah, that's, that's, that was good. That's, one that, that's why I wanted to ask you guys. So, okay, and then week two, yesterday, Pentecost Sunday, and Pastor Jeff preached from Acts 2, um, you know, really famous passage, especially if you've been in church, if you're Pentecostal, or you've been just around that stuff, but famous chapter anyway. So the day of Pentecost, and he talked about how you're not going to find that word in the Old Testament because the holiday was the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. And Pentecost is the Greek name. So I thought that was cool. He highlighted that real quick. And Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And so looking at the Acts 2 passage, you know, Pastor Jeff talked about what a Pentecostal church should be. Hey, you know, a lot of times Pentecostals or Pentecostal churches, they take pride in that word. It's funny because to me, sometimes I'm like, it can be like, it feels like it's like not a good word sometimes. But a lot of times in, in Pentecostal circles, we love that word. We want to be identified as that. And so I think Pastor Jeff, knowing that, is saying, hey, so, okay, well, we're looking at Acts 2. We're looking at Pentecost. We're looking at the birth of the church. Here's what a Pentecostal church is. And so it's a united church, a praying church, a spirit-filled church, and a harvesting church. And so with this first one, united church, you know, Pastor Jamal, I think you... Do do you want to say? I think you worded it well. What you brought up earlier, yeah, you were sure. more specific than sure. Me. I'll try to I'll try to put it together. I think, <clears throat> and like I understand what Pastor Jeff is communicating. Hey, we need to be a united church, and ultimately, when we're talking about the church being united, we do need to be united, especially in the things of Christ, the things that are you know um, rooted in the kingdom of God. I think for some people, when they're sitting in their seat, their thought process is also about the things that matter to them as a person and the things that have shaped them and you know their culture so how do i know uh, this is a question that i would imagine someone in that kind of like seat asking is you know like how do i know when to bring up an issue that's important to me um that may not make everyone feel united you know what i mean like how do i know to you know uh bring up an issue in a way that is not uh, trying to usurp either the gospel uh, or the things that Jesus teaches, you know, but I know that there are, but they are in, in the same vein, kind of important to like kind of my personhood. And I think, um, I don't have an answer for that, but I think that that may be a point of tension with some people. Um, you know, I want to be a united church, but my idea of united and that person's idea of united may not be the same. Um, and I'm not so, so sure how to go about that. So my question would be is, you know, what are some practicals to that give room for people to be able to discuss some of those things that are important to them that do kind of come off a little bit more divisive, not in the sense of like, I want this church to burn to the ground, but like, hey, you stand on this side and I stand on this side of this issue. Um, but this issue is important to me. How do, how do we find ways to allow for those conversations to take place? Um, and we still love each other at the end of the day and we still care for one another at the end of the day. I think that those are some things that we kind of need infused into the, at least into the Western church, into the American church, you know, during this type of climate and this type of time. Um, I don't know. Those are just some of the thoughts that come to my mind. Yeah. I think, do you, do you have a thought? You look like you had Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't want so to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think first of all, being uh, unified, wait, what was the word he used? Unified, yeah, right? United Church. U united doesn't always mean that we have to agree 100% on everything. United does not mean um, uh, clones of each other, mm -hmm. which I think is really important because there's a lot of different personalities coming into the body of Christ. There's a lot of different viewpoints. So it, if, if we're just looking for everybody to be clone of one particular viewpoint, whatever, that's never going to happen, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not how God created the church. Uh, he created us each uniquely gifted. So that's the first thing, like learning how to disagree, but still remain 
close in a relationship with each other is a big thing that people don't know how to do it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anymore. Yeah, which, which I think that's one. I've said this before in preaching. Like, we kind of have, because I try to spin it positive. Like, hey, being a light is kind of easier now <laughs> because people don't know how to disagree and still be friends with each other. So mm-hmm. if we can get that right in the church, we're going to already be different than the rest of the world. I think it used to be, oh, what, what was being tolerant was, uh, or again, I always get this saying wrong. Uh, I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Like mm-hmm. that was America. That was how mm-hmm. people were. That's not the case anymore. But so again, me trying to spin it positive is like, well, <laughs> I think if we just do that in church, we're going to be very different. Mm-hmm. Like we got to get that right. That, that's my side comment. Mm. And my other thought kind of about it, which uh, this is just my thought about it. It's not fully complete here, but. Sometimes we have to be choosy about who we share those things with that mm-hmm. when we're having questions and stuff, because not everyone is in a place where you can openly discuss it with them. Right. And not everyone is in a place where they can think through somebody else's point of view, you know? And I, and I, I guess the idea that comes to mind is, and I may, this is maybe taking this way out of context or whatever, where it talks about throwing your pearls before swine I'm not calling people swine, but the idea of like, like there are people that we know that we can have those conversations with and say, Hey, I disagree with you about this. And then there's other people that the even suggest is going to cause, and we're not going to change them. Um, and I, th- I think just being wise about who we talk there, are, but there are people that we can talk to who, maybe we can sway their opinion or they'll sway our opinion or whatever. Mm. Um, but, but I think just being smart about who we bring up some of those things, questions, this is important to me because if you bring it up to somebody that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere, it's going to lead you to frustration and probably lead to hard feelings about those things that, that maybe they do need to change their opinion on this, but, maybe I'm never going to be able to change your opinion. And maybe this is where like later he talked about praying for people, you know, pastor Jeff talked about, you know, praying for people you don't like and find, you know, whatever, we'll get to that part. But, but understanding where you can make ground and maybe where you can't make ground uh, is important when it comes to unity, because if you're just fighting to force somebody to change, like, we know how hard it is to change ourselves, mm-hmm. much less change somebody else. I, I guess mm-hmm. it's part of it. Not that you should be quiet about those things. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I guess I'm just saying, like, there are certain things that we have to talk to trusted people about and discuss it with them. And it's not maybe for discussion with everybody that we know is So, So open. I think maybe I'd say like this. I think what you're saying is good and can be – so this because what I wanted to say earlier was like maybe there are times when it's appropriate to bring certain things up. You know, this issue is important to me. I see this. You know, there are other times when it wouldn't be appropriate because it would cause disunity, and it may be secondary to the gospel. That's what I wanted to say. So the follow up is like, I mean, how do you know when? And I think some of what you're saying maybe can be. Uh, markers to help to know when um, let me think about who I'm saying this to what's their maturity level what's my maturity level what's my relationship with different people um, if I don't have a cultivate I, I think when you know somebody really well you can get away with saying things that you know you w- I, I didn't mean it that way or whatever and, and it's like well yeah I know you like I know you know, you know what I'm saying so when you don't have that kind of relationship with somebody probably harder to bring up something that is going to be a more divisive topic potentially and of uh, something else that you said too but uh, and i was going to add though i think but also biblically too you know we can be passionate about a lot of things uh but maybe that's can be a judgment in another sense of when it should be brought up in church hey we really need to speak up about this well that is an injustice uh, or, or that is an important topic but I just don't see how it would be appropriate for the church to make a stand about that. Like, and maybe one example, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just come up maybe with a potential example. Maybe this isn't the right one, but possibly like, uh, never mind. I guess I don't want to say something. I shouldn't say. 
But there may be an issue that like it's appropriate for some for a, a per, an individual, and that that's not to minimize it, but it's not appropriate as as a church to get behind this issue. Like, like like let's say like an oil spill. Like there's an oil spill. Like I'm just trying to use an example that hopefully is not upsetting. To have a strong opinion, this is wrong. What we're doing to our environment. Uh, yeah, but to to start to draw lines in church and to start to create disunity, that is not an issue that there's stuff you can say biblically about stewarding the earth, but, but you, you know what I'm saying, that that becomes uh, in front of the gospel, which is, I think, what you said earlier, Pastor Jamal. Yeah, I think I think the gospel does have to be number one. Um, I think I'm just trying to process, too, like myself. Like, I think... The gospel has to be number one, but I think sometimes I, I struggle with that because I'm like, oh, these, these issues feel uh, close to me. And I feel like being that I am a believer, um, I can easily see through the lens of Scripture how these are important to Jesus. So, yes, like, that's yes. how sometimes, you know, I infer about some of these issues. But the reality is I have to keep my heart in check, too, to make sure that they're not, you know, subtly creeping in their way into, like, places of idolatry for my own in my own heart so i just have to kind of constantly keep that in check and um maybe sometimes like you know just speaking practically sometimes maybe the most practical thing i can do is just keep my mouth shut you know like if I, if someone has a, dis- a different opinion than me i don't have to voice well here's how your opinion is trash you know like i don't need to uh, you know do that and maybe i could just be like oh that's okay that's an interesting opinion and like learn to kind of walk away and not sacrifice a relationship because i want to not prove a point but like you know i don't know be a nudge or whatever you know what i'm saying like it doesn't i don't have to sacrifice the relationship just to like open my mouth and say something and can i say too these are like general guidelines because you have to depending on what the issue is you have to consider too like is this something that is worth raising and if it is worth raising then sometimes whether people accept or not it is appropriate to raise it. Yeah. You know. Yes. Right. Right. Um, it, like we were just talk. We were talked earlier about. I don't know. People may disagree with me now, but we were talking about the Southern Baptists, you know, totally and how yeah. their 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 feelings about women in ministry. You know, I I think Beth Moore is a perfect example. She raised this issue with them several times, but then you get to a point where you realize we're not going to make progress in this, and so maybe it's time for me to not keep bringing up with them, but to pursue an area where I am fully accepted, you know? So, so it's, these are good guidelines that we're talking about, uh, about general things, but you also have to have wisdom in the moment from the Holy spirit for specific instances and issues, you know, to, to know like, when is this something that is an important enough, not just to me, but important enough to the church or important enough to, the gospel or, 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 or to God or Jesus, you know, mm. that this is something that we have to be a little bit more vocal about. So is there a hard and fast rule? No, there's like general ideas. And then, and then there's a lot of relying on the Holy spirit. I think, too. And I think, I don't know. I think if we're talking about United church, I think it would probably serve well too, for, you know, I'm just going to use myself. Like it would probably serve well for me to, ask someone who maybe I know is close to a particular issue to just ask them, Hey, how are you doing? Like about this? I've noticed that these things have been brought up in the news. How are you doing with this? Like, are you okay? That to me is like (coughs) the difference in terms of like being a neighbor is taking the initiative to recognize and say, Hey, I know that this, you know, matters to you. I've seen this kind of like popping up in places are you cool with this? Are you, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? And the beauty about it is, you know, like we, you were saying, Pastor Todd, like people are not monoliths. So I can get a different answer from different people about the same issue. Like, you know, for this person, they can be brokenhearted for it. For another person, they can be like, no, nah, it actually doesn't really bother me. Okay, well. But the, just taking the time to maybe ask and say, hey, you know, are you okay? Like, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, maybe that maybe that's my... At least I'm just talking. I'm just trying to think of when we, 
the question, like a practical kind of answer to the question of like, you know, how do we do this? How do we be a united church? Maybe it is just taking enough time to just say, hey, you know, are you how, how are you feeling about this? How are you doing with this? Are you OK? Yeah, I've been the recipient of that before. And I think that's really great. You know, and I, I think so in some sense, it's all of us growing in our understanding of just because I don't feel a certain way or I don't recognize something or I don't see it the same way doesn't mean it's not real. So I have to grow in that. In another sense, it doesn't mean as a church, every Sunday we have to make a statement about these different things. We're making a statement about Jesus and sin and the gospel, and that's number one. And so maybe it's on a relational level mm-hmm. as well. That's what it means to be united, not, well, we're, we'll be united once I hear a statement from the top. Well, no, it, we, we are the church. And I also want to throw this in there. When it comes to the gospel, like we said earlier about keeping the gospel front and center, uh, two thoughts to think about. One, I've heard that Billy Graham called it the gospel ethic. And so the gospel... I'm not just saved and go to heaven. That's the gospel. No, the gospel now makes me a better person. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better man. So that the gospel, so when there's an issue, you say, well, that's not a gospel issue. Well, yeah, but as Christians, it's the gospel ethic. How does the gospel apply to this issue? Sometimes maybe we can get better at that. But then part of that to keep in mind, though, is right to not idolize an issue and say, well, what does the gospel say about this? At the end of the day, this is a sin issue. This isn't a power issue or a money issue or, or, or maybe it is a money issue. But you, but you know what I'm saying? The gospel is boiling it down. This is really what's going on. And so we're going to talk to this issue. We're not going to get caught up in the headlines. So there's the go- living out the gospel ethic, applying the gospel ethic. But then also the gospel is transcending any cultural issue. It's, it applies to cu- any cultural issue and it transcends any cultural issue issue maybe that's the way to say it so yeah i think that's good i think that's those are some great thoughts on being united and being a community because our church the church is not just a building the church is not just an organism the church is a community and so you me we are the that community one last thing i don't want mean to believe belabor it but the other thing that comes to mind too is like Sometimes I think what unity doesn't always necessarily mean that we agree on things, but sometimes I think what helps bring unity when we disagree is when I feel like I've been heard too. Yes. Yeah. Like even if you disagree with me, but you at least hear what I'm saying, like that can go a long ways to us maybe not being on the same page opinion wise, but being on the same page of, relating like having a strong relationship does that you know what i mean like, heard or understood well see in my mind they're the same thing i, I can i can listen to what you're saying but if if i've heard what you're saying that means i've taken time to really absorb what mm. you're saying you know what i mean okay but not everyone's gonna and I, and I guess the reality is not everyone's gonna understand where i'm coming from mm-hmm. But if I feel like you at least tried to hear what I'm saying. I think you have like to learn person. how to do that. I don't think it's natural for many of us, put it that way, to to listen to somebody and understand them and maybe still disagree. But I think that's hard. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm saying I think that's <laughs> no, why I it's, hard it's hard sometimes. Because cause doesn't that go against the very sinful nature of me, 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 is to yeah. be like, Okay, let me listen to you. <laughs> yeah, like I think how many you know times I mean? in a conversation am I hearing that you're talking, but I'm just formulating the next right. thing I'm going to oh, say absolutely. to you. Absolutely. So absolutely. like in just a regular conversation. So how about like a charged conversation? Like so, or something I'm passionate about, you're passionate about. Yeah, yeah. So in marriage counseling, one of the things that you that you learn to do when you're learning about marriage counseling is like teaching people how to actually listen to people enough that they can tell that person back what they've said. Maybe not in the same words, although sometimes it's good to use the same words, but be able to actually say, oh, so you're feeling like blah, 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 and mimicking back to what they're like. It's a learned skill that a lot of times we're just, you're right. A lot of times we're just listening for how we can respond and not necessarily listening for what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
but let's uh let's keep going about because I think there's a couple other things we wanted to hit on being a united church. I think no, that's great stuff and really great to bring up. I think some great practicals to consider. Pastor Jeff said from reading in Acts, actually this is Acts one fourteen that a Pentecostal church is a praying church, and I put you know to pray or not to pray, which is <laughs> I think kind of the challenge. He he didn't say it like that, but you know he said it's hard to pray for people you don't like, but it's also hard not to like those that you pray for. And so you kind of have a choice. Are you going to, um, you s- well, it's hard to pray for them. I don't like them. So you can just not pray so you can keep not liking them. Or are you going to try to pray for them and let God change you? I just wanted to ask, like, have you found that to be true in your life or maybe not? You know, how do you feel? Like yeah, it was, I, I had said, may- I said maybe not so much. Cause I think I just have a different perspective. Like, I feel like if I'm praying for someone that I don't like, it's hard because I realize that I'm the one that I don't like. You know, it gets, it's it's it like exposes the things in me that are trash. And so, like, you know, ultimately it's like, a, you know, Jamal, you're the one. You're like, you're the man. You're the guy. You're the dude who's, you know, booty cheeks. You know, you're <laughs> not like, you're not quality. You're so like, um, yeah. So that's, I think for me, the, the, the perspective, I think it's a, just a different way of saying what he said. But I think that it it just never feels good when you realize that you're you fall short of the standard so i see what you're saying yeah i i, yeah, I do see what you're saying so yeah cause like i guess the reason why don't i want to pray for them well because i don't like them okay well why don't you like them well because this this and this and this and this well do you think that maybe possibly that the issue could be you <laughs> you know like no i don't think it's me i think it's this person like you could easily do that but it, I think the more you kind of dig into that hole, you start to kind of see within yourself um, like, okay, well, maybe you're being judgmental. Maybe you're being overly critical of that person. Maybe you lack compassion for the person across from you. You know, maybe you lack um, um, understanding for the things that they're going through um, perspective. Um, And in that you kind of learn that you've set yourself up as judge and jury over this person. Uh, and the gospel, uh, if you, you know, we remove the gospel from your life, we recognize that you yourself are not in a, you're not in a solid spot. You know what I mean? So maybe an an attitude adjustment on your end is, is needed. So I guess that's, I guess what I'm trying to communicate. You say, you know, that you're judge and jury when like you say what you just said and you go, yeah, but like. Yeah. So you are the judge. Yeah, you're trying to ju- when you're trying to justify yourself over. Yeah. You know, I go, going back to I think I've said this before, but David Hurtwick's you know quote like, when someone else's sin offends you more than your own, you're doing it wrong. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that kind of mentality. And so sometimes, you know, I don't I don't want to pray for that person. They're, they're just arrogant. Okay. Well, are there some things in your life that you're arrogant about? Yeah, but it's different. Like you know what I mean? Like how we are though man. so so yeah yeah i think that's a really great perspective from what pastor jeff was saying and then what you were just saying i think i mean that that's it's real man <laughs> <laughs> it's real so so i'm gonna i'm gonna be a bit of a nudge oh gosh because when you read through psalms you read so many times that it's like make may god arise may his enemies be scattered may his foes flee before him um <clears throat> God destroy my enemies. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. There's things like that. So, to put that in perspective, I just want to say that how you pray for your enemies sometimes matters. Okay, sure. Yeah. You know, if it's like, I think these are moments in Psalms where you see some real raw emotions from people who are struggling. Yeah. And their initial response was like, God destroy my enemies. They're like disgusting people, you know? But I think. I think what you do a lot of times is you see a process where they start out with this hurt, this anger, and through the process of praying for your enemies and genuinely like trying to pray for them and work through it, you see God does change perspective. You know, so I, I guess the reason why I bring that up is because if 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 I don't like somebody and you're saying, "Well, just get over not liking them," and start praying for them, like that's 
like sometimes it's not a light switch that you flip on and off. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm saying is if you really be like, God, I want to be obedient and start praying for the people that I'm struggling with, that it can be a process where God is working in your heart to bring unity in those situations. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. I just don't want it to seem like very formulaic and, and mechanical. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but. But the fact is, God does work in us. And sometimes with people, it doesn't come so easily. But if we are truly, honestly seeking God, and and then I think, honestly, praying some for the, not praying like David did, which is like wipe out my enemies completely. Uh, because David did start out like that, but then you see it's not always how he ended the Psalms. You know what I mean? Um, like letting God take you on the journey of changing your heart about the people that you're struggling with. And, and the reality is you're not always going to click with everybody, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that they have to be the enemy. Yeah. That's good. That's a good thought. And so let's talk about this third one point for a second. Or a couple minutes here. A Pentecostal church is a united church, is a praying church, is a spirit filled church. And, you know, we actually did a discussion last year, right before COVID uh we did a whole topic on like the holy spirit kind of like what we we did a round um, table yeah we did a round table yeah. and it's actually on the podcast if you scroll back it's it's on there uh so you can listen to it if you want but let's quickly pastor jeff i think did a great job and he said how a lot of times we'll emphasize the signs as a lot of times in pentecostal circles you know we'll emphasize tongues that's that's the big one um and and miss is about the power of the Holy Spirit. And even I love the connection that he made about when the people heard them speaking their own languages, that was God reaching them. That was God reaching out to them. Um, that's the point. The point isn't like I spoke in tongues and it was secretly, you know, uh, Spanish and like, <laughs> I'm the best. Like, 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 no, no, no. It, it's that God <laughs> used them and to reach people. And, right. you know, so, but it may be helpful just for a couple of minutes, just talk about, you know, what, what does the Bible say about this? Um, you know, I think, I think everybody has different experiences and that they're bringing in. And, you know, a lot of times too, we use the same words, but they don't mean the same things. And I think that's a lot of times the confusion too. So, you know, when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and, you know, speaking in tongues, what does the Bible say about that? What do we believe about that? What do you guys want to say? Uh, or what are thoughts that you want to add somebody could have about that stuff, you know? All right, All right. I could kick us off. I could say a couple things. Okay. All right, I'll start out general. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the idea that we believe in <clears throat> Pentecost comes from the examples that we read through in Acts. Uh, most famous one, Acts 2, with the original giving of the Holy Spirit to the believers that came with the the rushing wind, the tongues of fire, and speaking in other languages, uh, and then Peter going out and preaching, and people hearing all the disciples and all the people that were in the upper room speaking in their own personal language and recognizing that something supernatural was happening here. Yeah. Um, then later, so you have that initial... Uh, uh, moment outpouring yeah outpouring if you will uh and then throughout other places in acts you read where the disciples and paul asked like have you experienced you're 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 a group of believers have you experienced baptism in the holy spirit this holy spirit moment experience and no we haven't they pray together they seek together and something happens Scripture doesn't always specifically say that there was a rushing wind and tongue, you know, the flames or whatever, um, or that they were started to speak in other languages. But there is definitely something that happens that is a physical cue that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has happened with these new believers. Uh, and you see several examples of that. And so the 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 theology we draw from that is that baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that's for every believer uh, and that it is something that um, goes beyond just that first initial baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And even within that, you see that it didn't happen with everybody at the moment of salvation. Sometimes it was a, a second experience. Sometimes, Sometimes it does. It Sometimes it was a second experience. And so um, that's like the basic groundwork for baptism in the Holy Spirit, where we some denominations start to differ from us. Most denominations agree that that's what happened. Well, that's what it says. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. It's in the yeah, Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then where where the split tends to happen is whether that continues today yeah. or whether that's some, something that ended with the with the conclusion of the writing of Scripture. So, you know, two things I want to say. What One, I want to comment what you just said, but before I say that, you know, so if you're a Christian and you, you know, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit like we're describing, do you have the Holy Spirit? I, I would say yes. Um, scripture, at least for me, as I read and understand it, um, that when we step into relationship with Jesus Christ, um, there is a deposit uh, that is given to us yeah. uh, in the form of the Holy Spirit. Um and it serves as a, I think as Ephesians lays it out, I think Paul says in Ephesians, it serves as a guarantee of our inheritance bef before God, the father. Uh, so, um, yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I read that. I don't know. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, because, because some people's experiences they've been, or they've heard Pentecostal churches, they may, uh, teach that. Or sometimes I think they just get a bad rap. So that's what they think a lot of times. So it's important to just bring that up. And that's what I mean by two. We can use the same words, but they mean different things. Yeah. I think most people will say, "Oh, um, uh, you know, you're filled with the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian." Yeah. But a lot of times, for us in AG circles, we will use the word indwelling because the experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit will say, "Oh, well, they were filled with the Holy Spirit then." And in Acts, it'll say that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had courage or whatever. That's in Acts. So we'll make a distinction and say, right, when you become a Christian, you're dwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're the indwelling. Oh, but there's a second experience called baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, but yeah, totally. You're not, you're not, not a Christian. You're not half a Christian. And, and, and it's, sorry. And I would also add, you know, I, in that moment, I don't believe like it's a partial thing. Like I, I believe like you're filled. You're filled with the yes. Holy Spirit in that moment. So I don't I don't want people to be like, oh, deposit. You said deposit. A deposit can be X percent. Well, no, that I don't right. believe that that's how that works. I believe when it is a boom, like a full top to bottom. Yeah. You know. And and I think throughout this thing, as we talk about this, it's really important to understand baptism in the spirit does not equal spiritual maturity. It doesn't. And it does not equal reaching a different spiritual level. It doesn't. Because, because sometimes people misunderstand and they think, I haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, therefore maybe there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes there are people who are like, I have received the Holy Spirit, and so I'm at a I'm at a whole new spiritual level that that you can't be without it. Yeah. And I think that both of those things are a distortion of what the Holy Spirit, who right. the Holy Spirit is and what the work is he does in us. Right. It, yeah. cre it creates a sort of classism in Christianity yes. that really should not be there. Yeah. And right. We believe it's for everybody, um, you know. And so uh, the other dynamic I want to add to this is when we just talk, talk about tongues, there's also there's public and private tongues. And that can help, too. I think that sometimes will also muddy the waters of Pentecostal church where everyone's shouting in tongues there. It's like and sometimes that can add to the mess. Sometimes that's when it's inappropriate, too. But <clears throat> we're talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues as we're seeing in Acts. We could describe that as a private prayer language. And Paul kind of uses that word that he, he doesn't say that phrase, but he talks about him praying in tongues and things like that. So I think you you can make the distinction. There's private, and then there's public tongues, which he talks about in First Corinthians 14. With interpretation. With interpretation. Right. And that's in a public setting in church. Somebody would speak in tongues out loud, and then it's interpreted sometimes by the same person. Sometimes maybe it's somebody else. The, uh, it's kind of interesting when you talk to people's experiences of 
you know which one that is but the point is that it's interpreted and so uh that's the other element to consider when we bring up the tongues conversation again we're using the same word but it can mean you know we're bringing different things to the table so and i just want to throw out there too for maybe people who have questions about it and have seen weird circus, stuff circus acts i guess or abuse yeah. or however you want that's put it. a better word abuse yeah. i just want to encourage you that abuse by individual people does not necessarily mean that you throw away everything correct that the baptism of the holy spirit is happening in people and people are fallible and sometimes people get excited and they demonstrate that in different ways. And sometimes it is stuff that comes off very different than what we're used to. And it can be uncomfortable. There are other times where people, because we're fallible, we get caught up in a moment. And then there's times where like, there's just outright abuse of those things that happen where it's maybe not always so innocent and and to be fair or you know i guess to be fair but like if you feel like you've seen abuse and you have maybe felt like a righteous indignation uh that's okay because you know what peter had the same moment you know in acts chapter eight when simon the sorcerer is like man dude i got this money on me right now i i'd pay money to be able to like to be able to to do what you guys are doing right now. And Peter literally says to him, you and your money can go to this place of eternal damnation. <laughs> I mean, it's like saying like, I hope you die. <laughs> no, he Just really, like, it, 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 he really was like, may you and your money perish in, in hell. <laughs> yeah. But within that, but within that, Peter didn't throw away the complete experience of baptism Correct. in the Holy Spirit. And, Correct. And so, and so it's important to understand that, yes, sometimes these things will happen. But that doesn't negate what God really wants to do in individual people's lives. Exactly. And so if you've had those experiences, we're just saying experience doesn't always translate to what is true and what's not true. You know, and we stick by what God's word says is true, not always what we see exhibited in people. Does that I mean, I don't want to be talking bad about people because we're, we're, we're human, we're fallible and we all get things wrong all the time. So that's why I'm just trying to say, if you've seen those things, don't let that color your understanding of what Pentecost is and God's intent for Pentecost. Yeah, and I, I think that's great that you say that, because even me, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, but that's how I feel sometimes from experiences, and sometimes it's hokey, and so I feel that way. Yeah. But the Bible says, uh, it says both, do not quench the Spirit, and it also says test the spirits. And so, you know, I think what would be easier is to, quote, you know, quench the spirit. Well, we just don't believe in that. We don't do that here. Or maybe we believe it, but we just don't do it. That's easier to do. But the Bible says not to do that. And so that's where I I have to be reminded of that. It's like, all right, sometimes I get uncomfortable. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I'm overthinking it, this and that. Or I'm bringing this experience. One time this guy said this to me. Okay. Yeah, but... I still believe this is how God works and, th and and this is genuine. And that's why for me too, I like actually hearing stories or experiences of somebody who wasn't Pentecostal. You know, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues or something. And actually, I actually love hearing that because I'm always like, oh, really? I'm like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, but that actually I find encouraging because I'm like, all right, we're not like, we're not just being what we're whatever over here. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that's a personal thing, but. Yeah. So just an interesting story along that lines. When when I was at Valley Forge, we had a band director for a couple of years who I don't remember his first name, but his last name was Yoder. And he actually had come from a Pentecostal family that actually grew out of the Am the Amish. Okay. Because one day I, I don't remember if he if it was his grandfather, I think it was his grandfather was out in the field working, praying, and had an experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit out of nowhere. Wow. Because that was not what the Amish taught, you know, and having the baptism in the Holy Spirit in this experience, he left the Amish culture okay. to pursue, like, what is this thing? Because I know this was God, but I don't know anything about this. Wow. And so started, you know, pursuing, and then changed kind of the direction of his family, who now was a was a, a, a music director. I mean, he was like three feet tall. He was a tiny little guy, 
but energy excited and definitely <laughs> three feet's a little exaggeration, but you know what I'm saying? He was small, <laughs> but absolutely on fire from God. And it wasn't something that was born out of like an abuse or being worked up into the Holy spirit where it's something weird. It was, it was an innocent pursuing God. And this was the experience he had. So, yeah. And I know, uh, one of the youth pastors in our section told me as well, he was baptized in the Holy spirit. Um, he's from another state and it was before he was in ministry and he, it wasn't a Pentecostal church. I don't remember what denomination it was, but so that it was an experience for him that was genuine and it wasn't because someone told him about it or you have to have this or something. So I always think that's cool. But, and the reality is like, again, me sometimes we, we were talking the other day, Pastor Jamal, and like I get uptight sometimes. So I'm like, so I just got to speak the other side. Like I'm so thankful for, that experience and that reality of the Holy Spirit in my life and my life would be different without it. So I'm thankful for it. Like, like I'm, I'm sitting here cause my arms are crossed. I'm like, Oh, we're talking about this. Like, <laughs> but like, no, no, I'm like so thankful like for that. And it's so important. So, so, so anybody who's listening, we believe, Hey, this is for you and it, it's available. And it's again, there's no, uh, it's not a level thing. It's not a, not even a spiritual maturity thing. It's not yeah. that, but it's available for you. And, and you can ask God for that. What would you say to some people who maybe uh, read the passage in the scripture where it talks about tongues coming to a point of ceasing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna comment on that earlier. Uh, I got. I got it all out right here. <laughs> Speaking of tongues. Uh, yes. Yeah, for today, that's First Corinthians thirteen eight through ten, where he's. It's like the love passage, and then he says, "Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away." For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So people, the argument is that the completion is the Bible. So now that we have the Bible, we don't need tongues. Um, but one, I'd say it's just clear that it's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about a future event when we're united with Christ. We're like, like when you go to heaven, we're not going to need to evangelize anymore correct? because everybody's going to be in heaven who knows Jesus. We're not going to need to prophesy. We're not going to need tongues. Right. So that's obviously, or I'd say that's more clear what he's talking about. But the other thing is, though, too, even if that was what he was talking about, or, or it can't be what he's talking about because it's equating speaking in tongues with Scripture. And so what does he say? Test every spirit. You test it by the Scripture and by God's Word. So um, there's no biblical evidence to suggest that speaking in tongues and prophecy and a word of knowledge or whatever, these spiritual gifts that are all listed in the Bible um, were authoritative above scripture. And again, and now we don't, we don't need those things because we have the scripture. And so it's the wrong way to view that verse. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. Like we don't think with baptism in the Holy spirit, that's not like all of a sudden now it has more weight than scripture. Yeah. You know, or it's something that we're adding. We, we would actually say if if there's a speaking in tongues and interpretation, then that stuff needs to be aligned to scripture. Yeah. You know, so I know sometimes, again, there's abuses and things get weird. But I, I believe a true Pentecostal person would say scripture is our guideline. And anything that happens in the realm of Pentecost should fall under what we read in scripture. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, so I don't, we, we can sit here and tell stories all day. So I just, whatever, I just thought of this one, you know, I've been, and and that's where person to person. And this is where growing up in a Pentecostal church for me, say maybe it is a benefit because like I've been in, in a service before, you know, a time where the, whoever's on the stage they're they're praying and it's just a big deal and it's great. And, then they may pray in tongues for a minute. And I right according to scripture, like maybe you really shouldn't be doing that. Cause I would say that's like that private use, but I'm not bent out of shape over it. I'm like, look, I get it. Like I, I know what's going on where somebody else sometimes is like, oh, they, they disobeyed the scripture. They can't be doing this. And, and I'm a little like, I'm with you. You're right. Next time we shouldn't do that. But also like, I, I get it. Hey, they're, they're excited. They're, they're this and that. Like, I don't, I don't think they should do that either, but I don't know what the point of me sharing that was, but I'm I'm thinking about yeah, you're right because the scripture would say well that's his personal, uh, you know speaking in tongues that 
So if you're going to do it out loud, it should be interpreted. And if that's not how you felt led in that moment, just keep it. Be in control of yourself. That's or what just, he says. The spirit or step of the away from the microphone. Subject, yeah, <laughs> step away from the microphone. That's what I mean. That's a big part I, of it. Too. Well, all I'm saying is, all he had, he just had to move the microphone away in that yeah. moment, and he didn't, and he should have. But I'm not gonna lose my mind because he he should have moved the microphone away. Like, and that's the difference. Um, right. But if we're if that was happening on a consistent basis, and we talked to leadership, it was a special event. When we talk to leadership, hey, you know, this is what I'm seeing in scripture. I'm seeing this go on. Like, well, we don't care about that. You have to get over it. The spirit moves here. Like, you know, that's a different kind of attitude now. But that was like a special event as a one-time thing. And I go, all right, it's okay, you know. Uh, but so some good discussion, some good, um, hopefully that was clarifying, you know. And uh, again, we'd encourage you to read more, read more about what the Bible says. Uh, do some reading about it if you want. Even do reading on the other side. Well, why would people think it's not true? I would actually, I'd go as far as to say most denominations would tell you that they believe in this, but they don't practice it. And that's be that'd probably be more where most Christians are. There are cessationists. There are some famous ones. John MacArthur is, I think, kind of a large voice in that world. But I'd say most of them would tell you we believe this. We just don't really see it in our church that much. And so, hey, our church is open to that. And it's cool when God moves that way, you know, um, in our services and stuff. And so, uh, here's, let's do this last one for you guys real quick. Or, you know, what? actually we're hitting our time. So we don't have to do that. It was just an interesting thought I had just about unity. I heard somebody, I'll just share it. Cause now it's like, what was he going to say? I heard somebody talk about the, they were in the upper room, 120, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, and there was a pastor. He was telling me he's he, this is part of his sermon. He's like, I'm just speculating. It's obviously not in the scripture, but he's like, you gotta wonder if maybe she harbored some hard feelings that she knew her son was gonna die and these things, but all of his disciples left. Like she's at the cross with John and the other Mary, and where are the other eleven guys? They're gone. And he's like, now she's in a room praying. You gotta wonder if there's a little bit of like, you know what, Peter, you deserted him. Like you were the guy and you left him. But his point was, but guess what? She was there. And so when you talk about unity, and of course, again, this is not in the Bible. He's kind of speculating, but he's like, wow, what does it say? The fact that she was there and she was praying and she, along with the 12 disciples who deserted him, were baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and all that stuff. And so again, just talk about that idea of being united even when we don't all agree or we don't all get along that we can still be united um i thought that was an interesting thought so but all i have to say everybody it's been great thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast um this has been pastor matt pastor jamal and pastor todd we'll see you next time peace later